0: This is Wilderness and Wildlife, presented by the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. This is a half-hour program featuring commentaries and interviews with wildlife and wilderness advocates relating to the unique natural environment that we enjoy in the wildlands of the West and all across America. I'm your host, Jay Shell. Our guest today is Rick McIntyre, a wolf researcher in Yellowstone National Park. No one has spent more time observing and documenting wild wolves than retired National Park Ranger Rick McIntyre. He's watched wolves in America's national parks for more than four years, 26 of those in Yellowstone, where he's accumulated over a hundred thousand sightings. McIntyre is the author of the ongoing Alpha Wolves of Yellowstone series, including The Rise of Wolf 8, The Reign of Wolf 21, And the import, The Redemption of Wolf 302, as well as the just published Alpha Female Wolf. He's currently at Wolf work on a fifth book titled Thinking Like a Wolf, which is due out in October. He's the recipient of numerous book awards, including an Amazon Best Science Book of the Year. He lives in Silvergate, Montana, just outside of the national park uh, national northeast park entrance of Yellowstone. So, welcome, Rick. Good to be talking to you again. Well, thanks a lot, Jay. I'm i uh, looking forward to our discussion. I have a, a source that that uh uh catalogs all of my interviews and they they tell me that you're you the last interview we did <laughs> People are still going back and listening to it two years later.
1: So, oh, good! Uh, glad to hear that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're you're a popular source of information. So, uh, Rick, uh, how how about the wolves in Yellowstone these days? Uh, they they form packs consisting mostly of their mates and their offspring. How large are those packs? What's the range of pack size?
1: Sure. Well. Um... Over the years since the reintroduction started in 1995, the average is around 10 wolves in an average pack. Uh
0: huh. And the members are all related to one another?
1: No, not necessarily. Um, you could have al- almost any kind of combination. Uh, let- let's just say we've had cases where several brothers and perhaps several sisters come together just before the mating season to get long and they form uh, a pack that um, would already be well more than just uh, two members. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a, a, a vast array of possibilities.
0: Is there a process for outsider wolves being admitted into a pack?
1: That does happen and one of the things that I, I've really been intrigued by is is just like with people, uh, some individual wolves have really good social skills and seem to have a knack for being able to fit in. Whereas other wolves may try to do that and uh, whatever the failing is on their side, they get chased off or maybe even uh, attacked. Uh, In the the new book that I'm working on, I I wrote about a situation where in high school, which this is obviously a human situation, Mm -hmm. there was a a guy that transferred to our school mid-year. And um, he was friends very quickly with everyone. He had a great time the rest of his years in school. And I, I never really figured out what it was about his personality that um, enabled that to happen. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, a, a different guy arrived, and it just never worked for him, and he actually ended up dropping out with no friends. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's just um, it's something that's hard to d- define, um, but some wolves have it just like some people have it, good social skills.
0: So you observe, you observe these wolves uh, from the side of the road, is that right? Or do you go into the interior off-road area?
1: Generally, um, uh, I find the wolves from the side of the road and pretty much always would be watching them from that position as opposed to trying to get closer to them. Uh-huh. So we really want to avoid disturbing them, which would, of course, change their behavior. So my whole purpose here is to record and understand the the natural behavior of wolves. Uh, To put that in a little bit different perspective, uh, sometimes people ask, well, how close have you ever been to a wolf? What I prefer is probably to be watching them from about a mile away. I, I feel pretty good about the the issue that I'm not having any impact on them at all, that everything I'm seeing is their natural behavior. You must
0: have a pretty powerful scope to be able to see them that far away.
1: Yes, but, you know, Chris, I'm used to that, and so that that seems normal to me. Now, there are
0: times
1: where, let's just say, baby, I'm driving out early in the morning, and there are several wolves that are near the road. They cross the road and move further off. Uh, But generally speaking, when I'm watching them, they're they're pretty far away.
0: So you've been been chasing wolves for a long time now. What kinds of changes have you seen over those years?
1: Well, that's an intriguing question and um, I'm not sure if anything really comes to mind in in, in the sense of changes. Uh I, I think what I would in response is um, what I'm seeing is um, variation on on types of behavior, mm-hmm. um, just like let's say the longer you're, you're around people and you're just kind of observing how they're, they're behaving, you just see kind of a wider range. I'll give you an example. Uh, the main pack that we watch is known as the Junction Butte pack and um, A number of years ago, the Alpha Male died, and four males from another pack uh, joined this local group, the Junction Butte pack. Mm -hmm. And um, initially, the oldest of the four males, 1047, was the Alpha Male, the highest-ranking male,
0: Um,
1: and one of the other males was also called 1048, and he's... um, I think of all those four, he's. No, there's two of them that are still alive him and a younger male. Anyway, 1048 never really seemed to have ambition to be an alpha male. Mm. And um, when the older male died, then one of the younger outsider males took over and is still the alpha male. Mm. And 1048, as I said, just doesn't seem to have that ambition but the the point of what I'm about to say is that um, through DNA analysis we've we've determined that ten forty eight has sired more pups mm. than either of those other males that have been alphas. Normally you would expect if you're the big shot alpha male, one of the, the privileges and benefits of that is that you get to do most of the breeding. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not the case here. (laughs) This uh, lower-ranking male has gotten away with a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, to explain that, um, what I'll say is I've noticed that 1048, not just during the mating season, which is in February, but year-round, pays a lot of attention to the females, both higher-ranking ones and lower ones. Uh, befriends them, helps them out. Uh, When they're denning in remote areas, oftentimes he's the only male that brings them food. Um, If they're in a situation where there's a rival pack that might attack and and injure some of the females, rather than him showing off how tough he is and fighting them, Mm -hmm. he uh, takes charge of the situation and, and gets the females away from danger. So uh, my theory is that those females remember that uh, during the mating season and he gets, let's say, rewarded during that time of the year.
0: So what are the behavioral characteristics of the alpha male?
1: Oh, boy, it's a fascinating thing to get into because there's a, there's a variety of personalities. But let's talk about our most famous alpha male, and that was number 21. He was a long-time alpha male of the Druid Peak Pack. He's no longer with us, but he did have a long life. He fully understood that even though he was the highest ranking male, and I I guess I can say the undefeated heavyweight champion of Yellowstone, that uh, even though it was all well and good that he was the alpha male in his family, he was not the leader of the pack. He was not the boss of the operation. It was instead the Alpha Female, his Mm -hmm. mate, 42. And he was totally okay with that. Mm -hmm. It was very acceptable to him. And the way that I I would explain, let's say, the relationship in a wolf pack between the Alpha Male and the Alpha Female is that she is the true leader of the pack. In military terms, it would be... She would be the equivalent of the commanding officer, whereas the alpha male would be like the executive officer. He carries out um, the, the commandments or the, uh, the wishes of the, of the real leader. So the alpha female makes all of the biggest decisions, uh, particularly where are we going to den this year, then where are we going to move the pups, what are we going to do this winter. Now he, the alpha male, would have certain areas of responsibility, such as uh, defending the family from a rival wolf pack, mm. in, in many cases perhaps leading the hunt. But uh, certainly she would be capable of doing those things if, it was, if he was away on something and she had to do it. Uh, but she is the true leader of the
0: pack. And that's the subject of your latest book, is that right? The Alpha Female Wolf?
1: Yes, you could say that, yeah, and uh, the main character in that was known as the 06 female. She was born in the year uh, 2006. Uh, She had a a sister that looked just like her that was a year younger, so we call that one the 07 female, and yes, she would be a classic example of uh, what an alpha female does. She was courted by many, many males uh, after she left home. She was drop-dead gorges, and just one after another, she rejected them left and right. Mm. And she got to be middle-aged, and we thought that she'd never settle down, that she would never find a guy that was suitable for her. And then suddenly, um, one year, um, she met two brothers. And there was something about them that she liked, and so she paired off with two guys. Mm. And uh, what was distinctive about that, in addition to the age difference, was that um, they were so young, uh, she was the equivalent to, in human terms, let's say a middle-aged woman, and they would be like uh, two brothers that, let's say, were maybe sophomores in high school,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And uh, but boy, it sure worked, and um, after several years, we saw that she had made exactly the right choice because she could really rely and depend on them. Uh, She had seen something on day one, Mm -hmm. uh, whether you want to say about their character, their personality, and she definitely knew what she was doing when she picked those guys.
0: As the leader of the pack, does she give commands of some kind in some way that you can detect?
1: Well, that's a, a real interesting way to it um, Because there's very little that we know about um, how wolves might be able to communicate to them, to each other verbally uh, or through body language. I I guess the way that I would maybe approach uh, um, the subject that you're on is to say more, maybe more about how we we see things play out. So probably the most critical thing for an alpha female is when she has new pups, she's indisposed. She has to stay with her pups when they're very young. Um, They cannot keep themselves warm. Now, the pups are born in April when it's still pretty cold in Yellowstone. So let's just say if a mother wolf was to leave the den for too long, if it was really cold underground, they could die of hypothermia. So she has to keep them warm with her with her own body. That means that she's totally dependent on her pack mates, and particularly with the alpha male, um, which in practice means that they have to go out on a hunt without her help or assistance, um, make a kill, and then bring back food to her on a very regular basis so that she has enough to eat, to sustain herself and then uh, enough extra calories so that she can have enough of a milk production to support maybe six to eight pups so that's critical if they fail her in that then um, her pups are, aren't going to survive
0: ah, uh-huh. uh, talking about food uh, you told me at some point that uh, moose only make a, a small percentage of their diet Uh, do elk make up the other uh, portion of their diet, or what's their source of food?
1: Yeah, I I don't have the percentages in front of me, but I would say elk would definitely be number one, and then bison would be uh, number two. Uh And then further down uh, the line or the list, uh, they get a, a, a mule deer once in a while, pronghorn occasionally, um yeah moose would be relatively rare why
0: don't they seek out moose calves when they're born
1: uh yes they would of course the cow moose is extremely effective at, at uh, protect them as would be a, a cow bison and a, yeah. a cow elk so it's a very challenging difficult thing for a, a wolf to get any of those animals
0: do do elk resist? Are they successful in resisting wolf attacks?
1: Yeah. um, A way to talk about that is, first of all, to compare the size. So an average adult wolf is about 100 pounds here. Uh A cow elk uh, would be several hundred pounds. I think maybe even up to 300, and a bull elk maybe even up to 700. A bull bison, 2,000 pretty formidable animal to be going after. Mm. Um, I, I uh, Years ago, I came across a, a dead wolf, a big, big, strong male. And when I examined him, there was a one puncture wound right in the middle of his chest that indicated that he had been stabbed to death mm. by uh, an elk antler. And uh that was not a good
0: day for that wolf, but he survived yeah. uh you were talking earlier about uh this alpha male uh and uh or the the alpha female who warded off uh, other males until she found these two brothers and i was I was wondering in that if if males uh do uh, breed with their sisters in a pack. No, as far as we know, that would not be
1: normal at all.
0: So they got out um, of the pack. They go out of the pack to find their mate. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: I, I heard a fascinating thing years ago that related to humans. I, I think it might uh, apply to wolves as well. Um, they discovered that as a boy is growing up in a family where they sisters, they um, he um, subconsciously is breathing in the scent that his sisters are giving off. Mm. And um, that familiarity with their scent causes him, as he gets older, uh, meaning uh, when he hits maturity, to just have absolutely zero interest romantically in them. But let's just say if a new girl moves in down the street, uh, boy, he's probably going to be very interested in, in her. And so I think it's the same thing with wolves. Um, now, in, in theory, there could be an extreme case where there's really no other options around. And perhaps there could, maybe for just one generation, be uh, interbreeding between relatives. But um, in, in the big picture, in the long run, that that very rarely happens, and um, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the the term dispersal, so what would be normal for a young adult male who only knows female relatives is to take the big risk uh, of leaving his his family, his territory, Mm -hmm. and going out into another section of Yellowstone, into another pack's territory, and trying to draw off a female as a mate and then set up a territory, so it'd be kinda, I guess in a way similar to the Romeo and Juliet story, where in that tale, it was to enemy human families. Um, you're probably aware that the most common cause of death for wolves in Yellowstone is to be killed by a, a rival pack, so when a, a young male goes into another pack's territory, that's essentially going into enemy territory. But um, we've already talked about social intelligence. If a male is smart and knows how to handle himself, perhaps what he'll do is he'll howl from a distance from where that rival family is, and if he's a lucky guy, maybe one or two of the young uh, females in the family will hear him and then run off to meet him. I- I've actually witnessed that happening.
0: Oh, really?
1: He can meet up with those girls away from their, their parents and the other adults, and that would probably be the safest thing for him to get going on a relationship and then
0: forming a pack. So then what pack do they wind up with, his former pack or her pack? To well, ideally they'd start
1: their own family business. I see. Uh, where each of them then, therefore would be uh, in an alpha position as opposed to going, let's say, to his family, where they right. would be uh, a, a much lower-rated wolf. Right, um, And I, I would imagine that um, a, a normal wolf, male or female, that would be their goal in life, to have their, their own pack, their own family with them as being an alpha male or as an alpha female. So let, let's continue with the, the little scenario that we've been talking about. Let's just say a young male is left home, goes into um, rival packs territory, pulls off a female. So now we have two of them together. Mm-hmm. So, probably what's going to happen is they're going to travel around together, and they're going to try to find a vacant section of Yellowstone that they can settle in. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, let's just say they figure out, well, there's this big pack off to the west, we got another pack way off to the east, but there's an area between those two packs where they don't really seem to go into, and it looks like there's plenty of elk there, mm-hmm. so let's settle into to that area. Um, now initially it's just going to be the two of them but if they're successful the first year an average litter would be about six pups
0: mm.
1: and by the end of that first year it will be the two adults and now six younger members and then hopefully the next year even more uh, so they're rapidly approaching the average pack size of, t- of ten uh, but just like in, in many human endeavors a lot of it is luck, a lot of it is chance, uh, along with, let's say, good judgment. By the way, one of the, the real fascinating things that uh, one of the researchers here, Kira Cassidy, has come up with is she did a study of our records in terms of what are the factors that will cause one pack to win a battle with another pack. And uh, initially she found what you would expect that um, a very important issue is who has more members. Wow. So let's say a pack of 14 is likely to defeat a pack that's only 7 or 8. Yeah. But she found something as she went over the details that um, was this fascinating aspect of it. She found that if two packs are exactly even in the matchup, let's say 10 adults and 10 adults, if one side has more older adults, they're probably going to win. In other words, more veterans been yeah. in a lot of battles in the past. So let's say to uh, compare that to human warfare, let's just say there's a, a platoon of American soldiers out there against, well, let's say it was the, the Germans in World War Two, But on the American side, they, they have uh, more guys that have been in pitched battles before that know what they're doing and aren't going to panic, they're not going to run away. Well, the younger guys in that platoon, as they're running into battle, they're going to watch what the the veterans are doing and um, kind of trust their judgment, Mm -hmm. where if it's all new guys, it's probably more likely that if one or two starts to run away and panic, that they're all going to do it. So it really pays to have older wolves in the family. Yeah. And getting back to when we started talking about wolf 1048, who was never an alpha, his siblings were alphas during that time. And so um, for them to allow 1048, a veteran older wolf, to stay in the family, even though he was breeding some of the females, that just meant that the alpha male had a better chance of winning a battle because he had that fellow older male in his family.
0: So, Rick, uh, have you, have you seen population fluctuations uh, over the, the past few years in the population of wolves in Yellowstone?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's
0: definitely happened.
1: I think I mentioned that um, since 1995, uh we found that the average is about 100 Uh uh, with 10 packs and about 10 wolves uh, in an average pack. Uh There have been times when it's been above that and and then lower than that. Uh, In some cases, that's because of um, a disease such as distemper that's um, killed a number of our wolves. Uh, We've had problems with mange periodically. Um, that doesn't kill them directly, but indirectly if they lose a lot of their fur and uh, it's a really cold winter, they're probably not going to survive that. So uh, I, I guess just like in, in, in human history, if you have a disease that has killed a number of people, the population drops, and then maybe there's a certain immunity that develops and uh, the population responds a bit. So that's normal to kind of have those ups and downs. But over time, it pretty much averaged 100 wolves. And Of course, Yellowstone is 2 million acres. If I didn't say it, the average territory is about 300 square miles. Mm. And I think Yellowstone is, what, about maybe 3,500 square miles. So you do
0: the math,
1: and yeah, that works out to about 10 packs on the average.
0: Rick, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to ask you about uh, the flooding uh, in June of 2022. But uh, if we can uh, hold it over till next week, uh, I would—I'd like to talk to you about about the flooding and what the effect does on the wolf packs.
1: Sure, yeah, yeah, whatever you like.
0: So let me close out for today, and uh, we'll we'll continue next week. Our guest okay. today has been Rick McIntyre. Wolf researcher in Yellowstone National Park, author of The Redemption of Wolf 302 and the more recent, uh, the more recent book, The Alpha Female. This has been Wilderness and Wildlife, a presentation of the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. To hear more of these half hour interviews, go online to js wilderness.com or kgvm.com and see additional features of our, of our website. Thanks for listening. I'm your host. J. Shell.